0: Hello and welcome to the Andrew Steele Podcast. Really pumped that you could join me again. Uh, we got a brilliant episode for you today. JT Brown, the former NHL player and now part of the broadcast booth for the Seattle Kraken, jumps on. Re- I, to be honest, I think this is probably the best podcast we've done so far just because JT, being a former player, can come on and, and just give insight that, that you wouldn't really get from anyone else. So he was great. He came on and discussed a, a whole load of different topics in, in relation to the NHL and, and his new career, so, so that was good. Before we jump in though, we are presented by Blogs of Steel, which you can visit by going to blogsofsteel.substack.com. Loads of good stuff on there this week. I did a deep dive into why I think the Jets need to be really careful before they, they decide whether or not they're all in on Aaron Rodgers, who is now out of his darkness retreat. Still no clue what a darkness retreat is after hours and hours of research don't get the benefits but hey um I'd imagine that a decision is going to come pretty quickly now with, with Rogers in terms of what he's going to do. You know, there's there's a lot of reports out there that the Packers have done. There's some reports to say that they'd want him back. But I, I, I kind of feel that we've, we've had the sense for a while that that marriage is, is doomed. So that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Also did something on Shohei Otani and why 2023 is going to be the year of Shohei. That's just one of... One of many very very intriguing storylines to keep an eye on in in 2023 I th- i'm i've never been this excited about a baseball season than i am for this one i, I ju- you know i think with the rule changes the schedule changes where you know every team's going to play each other at least once and kind of the, the storylines that froze up including mike trout going back to philadelphia his hometown it is gonna be a really really fun season and Shohei is gonna be at the, the, the front of it with his free agency coming up. So those two are available to read on the site. We we've also got a sale if you subscribe anytime between now and next Thursday you get fifteen percent off a monthly or a yearly subscription. Um so take full advantage of that. I kind of I I kind of get it, you know, it, it's there's so many options out there for people to, to to subscribe to different stuff. I mean, I've got about eight different entertainment subscriptions, you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon. So I do understand it. You know, we're not, you know, we've only been going for two weeks. So I kind of get why people would be a little bit hesitant to, to part of their hard-earned cash. But And it's kind of weird as well when you're setting up a business because there's a temptation. You want to kind of put everything out there at once to show people what you're doing because it does get old quickly when you say well we've got this coming we've got that coming people want to see it but you know bear with us we've you know what you see on the site is only a very small taste we're working on a whole different load of stuff you know there's some stuff we won't be able to do until we're a bit more established that's just part and parcel of it um unfortunately but there's a lot of stuff we will be able to do with i'm waiting on some illustrations back to be able to launch a cool feature which i think you'll like so that will hopefully come next week um i'm actually working on a really cool long form story in relation to the nhl trade deadline which will come after the deadline and the next week expect to see a lot of hockey content so if you're a fan make sure you stick with us at blogs of steel.substack.com and on the podcast because we're going to be all systems go from now until next Friday when the trade deadline's at, at 3 p.m. Eastern. So we've got loads of cool stories coming on that. Um, I was hoping to have two podcasts this week, including this one. I've not given up hope yet, but if we don't, we'll we'll certainly have multiple podcasts next week with hopefully different hockey people jumping on. And I'd like to try and do a couple on the deadline itself with a couple guests if we can. Just to break down all the moves because you know it. It looks like Patrick Kane's going to be a New York Ranger now, so that would be one to get into. But there's still a ton of names out there. You know, Eric Carson. I, I don't think he'll be moved personally. I just think his contract is is going to be too difficult to to, to move at, at the deadline. I think that's more of an off-season one. You know, we've all, we we've seen with with the big trades already that, uh, including one the Boston Bruins have just done that. They're having to bring in a, a third team just to make it work cap-wise, so I can't see some like Eric Carson being moved, but you know, Timo Meyer. There's a, there's a ton of names out there that could be moved, so I think it's going to be a really fun week, so we'll get into all of that on the website and on the pod, and yeah, I just want to thank you all for your continued support, we're we're rocking and rolling nicely now, as i said, this is just kind of just us scratching the surface in terms of what's to come. And, uh, now I'm excited and, you know, it's great to have you all on board and I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do together. So without further ado, I will throw it over to JT. Now I need, I, honesty is the best policy and I'm always up front with you all. So I will lift the skirt, the skirt up a little bit. I did mess up the, the first two minutes of the audio on this one. Um, not the first time I've messed up and that you'll probably hear more on the next podcast on that. So When we jump into the JT one, it will literally go into the first question rather than introduction. So um, that's why we do loop back to the first question later on in the episode so you're not missing out on anything. But it was just me just being a, a numbskull and messing up those first two minutes. So hey, can't all be perfect, but hopefully you enjoy this one. Um, again, JT was great. He you know, he played a total of 365 games between Tampa Anaheim, and Hyman, Minnesota, so he he was a brilliant guest to get on. I've spoken to him before, and it's no surprise to me that he's doing as well as he's doing in his, his new career as a broadcaster. Um, they've got a really special booth in, in Seattle, and JT's a big part of that. He speaks really, really well. We, we delved into some interesting stuff from, from how well the Kraken are doing to, to what they might do at the trade deadline. He kind of gave some really interesting insights into what it's like to be a player at the deadline and the kind of emotional, personal side that I think we as media skate over quite a lot and and don't take into consideration the impact that has on people's families. He, we, we did a deep dive on Stephen Stamkos because JT played with him, shared a locker room with him for years. And I think Stamkos is, despite being probably still one of the best players in the league, doesn't get nearly enough credit. And um, yeah, lots more. Just kind of touched on some of the big trades going down as well. And and also had a little bit of discussion about the absolute alien that is Conor McDavid and what he continues to do, which is, which is mind-boggling. So lots to get into. So I will throw you over to the interview now and and enjoy. That's really stood out this year and he, he's kind of the favorite for the Calder is Matty Baines just there was a play obviously we, we know the kind of a, offensive side but i think the defensive side of his game is really impressive and there was a play he made the other night where where he just kind of it showed those instincts in terms of getting his stick on the ice what makes him so special in in terms of of everything that goes into his game
1: well, obviously he he reads the play very well, both offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, knows when you know to make that extra move, and knows when to get rid of the puck and then change and move his legs to get into a better position, to get that puck back. So, offensively, he he's incredibly gifted, but uh, defensively as well. Even just, you know, just never giving up on plays, full back checks all the way down. You know, stopping plays. He's he's always seems to be in the right spot, and I think that's what you said. The underrated part is the defense. Everybody talks about you know the offense and the points and you know, how well he's done this year. And I think the defense is what's been, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously first year that you're going to go through times. He went 10 games without scoring a goal. But when you do that and you have that defensive ability, you're still contributing to the team. You're still contributing something else. He does more for this team than just put up points or put up the numbers. Um, You know, those little defensive plays that you may not get as much credit that's a big reason why Seattle has been so successful. Not only the points he's put up, but the defense uh, ability as well, because he's going against a lot of top lines, you know, on a nightly basis, uh, he's getting all those minutes and, you know, you can see the trust that the, the team has in him, even just for, you know, going out on a faceoff in a, in a close game with a, a minute left in a third period, you know, he's out there, whether he's the number one guy or he's, in case somebody gets kicked out you know they're putting a lot of trust uh, in maddie you know not only offensively which we can see in the highlight reels but uh, the defense side as well
0: i I mean i think it's still true that when you're building through the draft in in the nhl it's center's probably one of the most important positions along with with goaltenders so having that that high-end number one number two line center is so important isn't it for the future success of this team
1: i mean if you look at what what he's just been able to do obviously we saw a snippet of what matty was capable of last year but now it's it was about doing that over the course of a, an 82 game season and there's going to be ups and downs but uh, you know for for the most part if you look at what he's been able to do it's been really consistent uh, again like i said even when there's stretches where he's not scoring or not getting the points uh, you look at what he can still bring to the game and that defensive side has has been there he's just one of those guys that uh, doesn't give up on a play doesn't quit the motors you know all going and and it's in it's good to see out of a, a young player.
0: Talking of a, another young player, and I kind of want to make this more of a general point as well. Obviously Shane Wright kind of came into the league with with high expectations, but there you know for, for so long he was kind of the you know the presumed number one pick and he, he slipped down to, to four. And I think the way Seattle's handled him this year has been been great in terms of giving them a taste of every, every level. But I, I kind of Think and you'll know you've obviously played in the league and and you've you've come through that process and you you've played along with with high draft pick. I do think we as kind of media and and just hockey fans in general put a lot of pressure on the top pick. You look at Jack Hughes after one year, everyone was ready to to write him off as a bust. There is a lot of talk about um, the Frenier and Kako in New York. Do we need to kind of like ease back a little bit and just let these kids? develop in their own time because not everyone's the same are they everyone's going to have different developmental journeys
1: yeah i think that's uh 100 right uh, i think everybody you know you want to get there as soon as possible you want to get there from game one uh but sometimes it is a process sometimes you know it takes a little bit of time and i think the big key is just as long as you get there right i think that's that's the goal i think you want to sometimes you want to rush, you want to focus on, you know, what somebody else has done, but not everybody's path to the NHL or not everybody's path to is the same, even if you're drafted in the same spot as as somebody else. So I think uh, you got to, everyone's a different type of player. I think you have to take it by a, a case by case. basis, And I think the goal in the end is just to, you know, you obviously drafted this player, they have a high ceiling, you know, whoever it may be, wherever they were drafted at. So you know, the potentials there, it's just getting them to that potential. And whether that takes a year, whether it takes two years, three years, however long that process takes, you know, as long as you get them there, and they can reach that ceiling. And you never know, a player might adapt, they might change their style to fit something better and make it a little bit of an easier jump to get into the NHL. You never really know what each player is going to do or how it's going to go. It's always a gamble. Uh, There's definitely, there's no perfect science to, to drafting somebody and knowing how fast or how quick they're going to fit right in or, you know, Excel within the league. It's a hard league. It's a tough uh, nightly basis. Every time you you step on the ice against, uh, you know, some of the top players in the world. So I think for me, it's more about the process and just getting that player to, to reach their potential. And the time, of course, would be great if it was day one, but at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that they reach their potential at some point.
0: Having kind of seen little bits of him up in the up in the NHL, what are your kind of what do you make of his game and and what are your expectations of him say next year?
1: I mean, I'm just watching, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is how good of a shot he has. Uh, you know, and he gets uh, that wrist shot off and he can he can really bring the puck. He's got a, a great shot in the timing and you know, it's all about the uh, development. Obviously, you know, getting a taste of different levels this year as well. Uh, you know, he was successful in the American hockey league, uh, obviously right now, you know, went back to, to juniors, but, you know, see what happens next next year. Next year is all, it's all to camp. See how, you know, what type of summer and how he looks within the game. And I think that's just, again, it goes back to the process every, so the way, you know, start, continue to excel. We've seen, you know, the shot, we can see him be a good defensive two-way type player and, you know, just continuing to build, you know, that's the process. That's what you look at. Um, Again, I don't I don't know what you know their their plan is for him or how they they plan on you know what's their talks behind the scenes to me, but you know, I think you just look at the process and and see where he's at and, and what makes sense.
0: I'm gonna kind of ask you a, a two-point question, and we, we touched on the first bit at the start, but obviously that Seattle are in you know the mix for a, a playoff spot. There's some tough competition just in the the Pacific division, obviously Vegas and Edmonton with with, with McDavid. So the first part is is what do they really have to hone in on down the stretch to make it? And with the trade deadline approaching, what do you think they'll need to add? Because I get the impression that they're not going to kind of sacrifice what they're building long term for a short term gain. So I think if they do add anything, it might be supplementary rather than a big splash.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know roster as is you've seen this year what they could do and they can beat some of the best teams you know in the nhl obviously getting into the playoffs is a it's a different animal it's a different game you can't go well hey we beat them in the regular season so we're going to beat them in the playoffs too it just doesn't always work like that it's a different game you know i think their roster is they're good they've they've shown it throughout this year where they can be and how good of a team they can be and you know like you said whether you gamble the farm for later um whether that's the right decision I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions uh you know as a as a fan of of hockey now obviously when I was playing I didn't really like trade deadline day you're always kind of just worried you, know, you never know what might happen are you going to be a piece to another trade move somewhere else but now uh, I'm away from that I I really like uh, paying attention you know obviously on Twitter keeping up with what uh you know other teams are and are doing around the league so I think it's a it's a it's a good question. I don't know if I really have an answer for it. I think uh, you know, that's definitely one that the front office and management is is keeping a close eye on of, you know, can they make their team better? And what does that cost? You know, what does that cost for the long-term success of this team? Because you've seen the jump from year one to year two, and you want to maintain, might not be, you know, I mean, this probably isn't going to be possible to create that large of a jump in the, in the points-wise, but still continue to grow into year three, into year four, and how do you do that without sack? How do you do something for now and continuing to make the playoffs and not sacrifice what you're going to, or what you are building towards because at the end of the day, Seattle is in their second year, right? So there's still a lot more building uh, that they can do. And they've done a great job, whether it's through the expansion draft, through, uh, you know, trades at last year's deadline to to get certain picks get to create a little bit of flexibility, whether it's cap wise, um, you know, so obviously their plan is working and, I'm just
0: excited to be along with the ride. I'm going to, I want to ask you kind of about their, their style in the playoffs, but you just touched on something really interesting there in terms of being a player at the trade deadline, obviously, as you said, you've lived it. So I just want to kind of dive into that a little bit more. Just what is it like for a player? You know, you're, you're part of a team, you've, you've gone through half a year together. It's an absolute grind of a season. When does that process start for you as a player in terms of when do you start hearing noise when when do you is there kind of a weird vibe in the room like how how far out from the trade deadline does do, do things start to get a little bit weird
1: um i mean I think it definitely you, you notice you know when the deadline is obviously if you're a team uh not in the place, not in the running uh you know it's a it's a different vibe than if you're a team that might be adding something or or is on the cusp so i think for the real part is after the deadline and Once it's after the deadline, you're in a spot, but you know, this is your group, right? This is who's here. Everyone's here. The new player may be coming in, or, you know, hey, this is us. We've been able to be successful all year. We're going to stick with it. This is who we have. This is going to be the 23 in the room. And that's kind of when it fully brings together. And you know, you have that last little push, whether it's to get in, to stay in, jockey for position. And then, obviously, once the playoffs start, you know, things, the intensity just really, it just picks up. But I think as a player, you kind of get that feeling, uh, you know, once the deadline's passed, everything's clear. You know that that's your group. This is who, you know, the management and everybody's riding on, you know, for the rest of the way. I,
0: I mean, you say there obviously once the trade deadline's done, you, you know where you are. But we, we heard this week Luke Chen kind of got pulled from the game and got sent back to Vancouver. Obviously, there's been a million stories of players literally – Getting phone calls right before games and having to jump on flights. I I, I think kind of for outsiders of, of those of us who who haven't played the game, we we probably can't appreciate just how unsettling that can be. You know, you, you literally get ready for a game that night, and all of a sudden you're told, nope, you got to jump on the flight to this place. And and it's not just that; it's uprooting your whole family and everything that comes yep. with that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's probably the part that gets uh, gets lost in that, right? Is the you know whether you have family you got kids uh, a wife girlfriend whatever it may be you know there's a lot of moving parts uh, or even just the familiarity you've been in a place the last five six years whatever the the number may be and now everything's kind of just dealt from underneath you yes you may be going to another team you might be moving places it might be a better opportunity here or a new opportunity here um but you know it's at the end of the day you know yeah, the other athletes but they're people too and you kind of get it kind of gets a lot And how quickly you know like you said 24 hours you might be in a new car new team new this and a completely different uh surrounding so it's definitely a difficult time uh as a player um it's kind of tough but you know you're going to go through it every single year so something may happen but you know at the end of the day you know if you look at the bright side hopefully it's a it's a better opportunity a new opportunity uh you know a chance for you to go for the playoffs or you know maybe it's enough more ice time at a different place so it definitely can be can be tough, especially though when you when you start like, thinking about uh, whether it's family, kids, uh, you, you it, uh, and how quickly things happen, and how just uprooted right away things may become.
0: I, I want to go back to the playoffs and just ask you one more question on on this Kraken team. From what we were talking about at the start, I actually think that they the way they play in terms of the, the the tempo and also the fact that they've got so much depth and they roll four lines. I actually think that. It's probably going to be a big advantage for them in the playoffs, whoever they play.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the game, and the, their game translates uh, to playing uh, on the road as well. That's a that's a big part. Uh, obviously, you got to play on the road throughout the playoffs, and so you can't just be a really good home team. Uh, depending upon where you're seated, you might uh, you might not have home ice. You got to be able to go into an opposing team, and we've seen so far, even with their with their road record, Seattle's been a good team on the road. Uh, but just you know, playing that style, playing physical. Uh, quick to check, they move the puck quickly um, and play fast, catching teams off guard. But the the bigger thing too is the the five on five play. You say I mean, so was one of the best teams in the league at scoring up on five, and you never know how many penalties you're going to get in the playoffs or how tightly the game's going to be tested and. Yeah, they don't have the the greatest special teams numbers right now. And, you know, what's been carrying them is scoring five on five, which is, you know, a lot harder to do than, you know, when you have the extra man or you're relying on, you know, getting a couple calls a game. Uh, if you can rely on your team to continue to keep scoring or getting into those scoring positions based on how hard you forecheck, how hard... Uh, you're working, catching teams in transition through the neutral zone. Um, just being able to be that successful five-on-five five is is definitely in Seattle's favor.
0: So when I was watching the game the other night, it kind of made me think of the last time we spoke because the last time we spoke, you were kind of fairly new in your, in your new career. And just watching you the other night, you, you've just come across as completely polished. And I just kind of wanted to ask you in terms of how is this kind of, um, experience been for you because you've been doing it for a little while now uh, you've got Eddie Owen in as part of the team as, as well so I'm sure that you can learn from him and 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 of course John Forsland. so how has it been for you and, and has it kind of helped to kind of fill that void post playing days
1: well thank you uh, I wouldn't say quite polished yet obviously still learning a lot but I I do appreciate it and you know it's been fun um obviously getting where John last year was was fantastic as well, and and just learning the ropes, and you know, no better person to learn from my eyes than uh, John Forslund, who's one of the best, if not the best, you know, in the National Hockey League. And then to, to add on uh, Eddie Olchek this summer as well, it was uh, you know, we have a pretty dang good team uh, when it comes to uh, a team broadcast. You know, I think uh, you know being able to move around a bit this year as well has definitely helped me. Uh, Obviously, there's times where all three of us are up in the booth, there's times where it's just John and I and Edzo's, you know, getting ready for a national game, or all three of us at home, and I'm in between the benches, and I get to bring, you know, what it's like down at ice level, and I think that, uh, you know, you forget being up high so or being up like in the press box being up high, watching the the games on uh, you know how fast it is it goes away and then you go down to to ice level and you you see the game again on how quickly uh, or how quick the game moves and how fast it is it's a, a nice reminder again, but you know having a great team like that definitely helps uh you know your post playing career, obviously you're just so used to being around uh, a team and a group of players uh and then you don't know what it's going to be like afterwards, but when we have the team that we have, whether, you know, on the TV side, even down to, you know, even going to the, uh the radio light. And we talk about with Everett and Dave and just the, the crew and the studio uh, that we have here in Seattle is fantastic. So it, it definitely helps, you know, I won't say you never, I'm not going to say I never missed it. Right. But uh, at the same time, you know, getting to still talk about hockey and having such a outstanding, you know, not only at their job, but good people as well has been, it's been fun to be a part of.
0: Sure. And, for you, what would an average day for you look like in terms of preparation, getting to the ring, kind of the um I don't know, I, I suppose makeup's a thing for, for, for TV, but little things like that kind of what what does your average day on the on a game day look like on this side of your career?
1: Yeah, game days are a little a uh, little longer than uh, obviously practice practice days. You just go, we go watch the practice. A lot of times, you know, that's the day where you start your prep for the game. Uh, whether yeah. it's watching watching a team that uh, you're getting ready to play, uh, you want to watch and just be as informed about every team as, as possible. i know uh, we work for seattle and a lot of what we talk about is going to be seattle but there's times where you need to know the other team as well so you definitely want to be a, as polished so that comes from just watching games and that's the good thing about being on the west coast is it's a little bit easier to to catch all the games you get to watch the east coast uh, and versus if you're on the east you got to stay up late to pay attention to what's going on in the west so that's easier um you know from that part but on, on a game day to answer that question, it's more same thing. You go to morning skate. Uh, I'll usually have to adjust some of notes from the night before based on, obviously, there was games at the end of the night, adjusting points percentage, uh, where their power play ranks, all the kind of more minute things. And then maybe there's lineup changes that I have to kind of adjust with, too, or a call up here, a call up there. Um, me, I still like to try to take a nap. Might only be 30 minutes. Uh, I did it all through my playing career too, but uh, I still like to try to get a nap because you got to be sharp at 7 p.m. uh, all the way through, what, 9.30, maybe 10 if if it's a really late game. Um, But usually I'm at the rink, 7 o'clock game. I'm there by 3.30. Kind of go through, you'll have your pre-production stuff. You'll run through, uh, you know, what are we going to do in the open? What are we going to do or the pregame hit? What's going to be in the open? How do we want to kind of, we just start kind of formulating how things could go. Um, but a lot of it's sitting there too. A lot of times too, even during that time, you know, John Edzo, and I will turn on some of the East coast games that start at four, and it's kind of just nice to be at the rink in the, in your spot and ready to go, but also kind of settle away. So versus, you know, getting in, you know, an hour and a half before, or just before the game. And now I'm kind of rushing around. I like yeah. to just go through the meeting, sit down, relax, you know, focus on the hockey we talk about, uh. You know, whether it's this game that's coming up or looking ahead or, you know, even just the games that are around. I think it's just always good to just relax and have that time. But, you know, once the game starts, it, it it's on. But a lot of the prep work, again, is done the, the night before.
0: And when, when you're watching other games, even if you're at home and, you know, there's there's a random East Coast game on, do you kind of find yourself now watching those games and paying attention to what the, the other broadcasters are doing and, like, making mental notes? Are you kind of in that mindset now, like you would do with a player watching watching game tape?
1: Uh, yeah, with, without a doubt. Uh, when you look at especially the East Coast teams that you, you're only going to see twice a year, um, you're going to see the West Coast teams a lot more, so you're, you have a little bit more knowledge. Uh, you've played them a lot more, but uh, the team you played at the start of the year and you haven't seen them for a few months, uh, unless you randomly caught them, you know, playing against the team you're getting ready to play, you may not see as many games of those teams. So it's kind of nice to be able to listen to the broadcasters. They'll give, uh, you know, maybe little nuggets that you can write down and talking about a player, whether or not, uh, you know, one of the things is always, oh, they haven't scored for a while, but they've been all around. They've been playing really well, even though the points aren't there. And if you just go straight to the, the box score and you look at this player and you see he hasn't scored in five games, you're like, oh, he's not playing very well. But if you listen to their broadcasters, seeing him on the nightly base so they're seeing him in practice. You know, they're saying, hey, the points are coming right? it's it's not because he's not trying hard he's not getting himself into the right positions it's just not going in for him right now and I think that's just one little nugget that you'd get by watching you know their broadcast that you wouldn't get by just going straight to the, you know, the media site and and checking in on a player's you know point totals because it, it does obviously go beyond you know what a player can do uh just by points
0: I want to fly through some general topics quickly if that's okay um one of the main things I was excited to talk to you about, I think, again, for those of us who haven't played the game, we, we watch a certain storyline and we can only know so much. And and watching Stephen Sam Cozy obviously scored his 500th NHL goal earlier this year. I'm kind of amazed at how much he flies under the radar because he, he had the injury problems. But the last couple of years, he's been playing probably as well as he's, he's ever played. And, and it wasn't that long ago. He was a free agent and the whole league wanted him what having played with him having having been with him every single day having been in the locker room with him what makes him so so special in everything he does and why do you think he 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 is underrated
1: well I mean first of all I mean it goes without saying just the the preparation and and the work that he puts into perfecting his craft uh you know he's definitely a player that puts in whether it's in the offseason uh at practice and the, just the little things and obviously you look at his shot i mean he's got one of the one of the best shots uh, in the league he can basically score from anywhere else, get him on power play but you get him in those tight areas he's got a great combination of whether it's the the hands the vision and you know as far as being underrated i feel like we all know how how good he is and but also, seeing the the emergence of uh, you know Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point and you continue up and down their lineup, and how good Vazi is. They have so many headmen, so many like all star caliber players that feel like you can only give one or two of. Them, you only can give so many to each team before you know somebody has to fall out of that category. And it's not because Stamkos isn't a great player and continuing, you know set up the numbers, uh, you know, it's it's more uh, in my, that's how I look at it is yeah. more of, you know, there's just so many where you talk about your, your Kucherov and, and what he's been able to do and point and, and so forth and so on. But, you know, for me, you know, watching Stampkos and being on the ice with him, he's a fantastic player, has been, and and is still continuing to put up, put up these numbers. And I I don't see that slowing down.
0: I think what you said about the preparation, you, just watching him, he, he just strikes you as, Kind of all business. I can imagine when you were playing with him, he's very, very all business in in the locker room, the way he goes about stuff. And I can imagine for for any young player coming up in that organization to have someone like that as your tone setter, you couldn't wish for a better role model.
1: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, you're going to have the times where you need to be strict and you need to be business. But uh, you know, he's he's a he's a funny guy too. He definitely he has some personality to him as well. So you get to see a little bit of both sides. But you know, to have a guy like that uh, be your leader and you know continuing to lead, you know, the Tampa. Bay, I mean, I go back to when the when he scored in the uh, in the uh, bubble in the play as a score it wasn't I think it was was it first shift or just the first period but like watching the yeah. bench and how excited they were for him. You know, obviously didn't know if he was going to come back uh from the injury and he came back God, was it against Dallas.
0: Yeah I think it my, was memory, Dallas, yeah. my memory's
1: terrible. But I remember then they panned back to the bench and how cool of a moment that was and how happy everybody on the bench was for him to be able to come back and score. And I think that speaks to you know not only what type of leadership he brings, but, you know, what type of person he is and how much that meant for everybody else to, or how much they cared to see, um, you know, him come back and to, to score and to be a part of the team like that.
0: There's a clip doing the rounds today of Connor McDavid doing Connor McDavid things. I mean, we I, at this point, he, he does this kind of stuff every night, but yet we're still uh, amazed. You've, you obviously get to see him a lot um, being in the Pacific too. Are you the same as us? You just lost lost for words at this point in terms of just how freakishly good he is, and and how close to to maybe Wayne Gretzky he, he really is.
1: Uh, I think uh, it's one of those things where you know it's going to happen, and it still makes you go wow. You know, like I will go back talk back, and I'm like, how did he just do that? Like talking to our producers, and they're just everybody. We're all I mean, we're all watching the same thing. We don't know how he gets four guys around him and somehow he manages to make his way through either score or set somebody else up for a goal. And, you know, it, it's definitely fun to watch. Uh, Definitely not fun to play against, but uh, you know, to, to be able to watch a player, I mean, he's a, a generational player and you never know when you're going to see, or if you're ever going to see somebody with, you know, that level of speed, skill, vision, hand, putting it all into to one package. So you know, for me, it's it's just fun to continue to to watch him and see him still every day do something
0: that uh, makes you say, wow. I've just got two final quick ones for you, that's okay. Um Obviously, the trade deadline's coming up, as we've talked about, and we're starting to see some big dominoes fall. I think the one that's really fascinated me, obviously Tarasenko went to the Rangers, but I think the Lee's getting Ryan O'Reilly. Obviously, he scored a hat-trick um, this, this week people call him the factor for a reason. I think he's probably the piece the Leafs needed because come playoff time, he he elevates his game, but he's, he's not going to not turn up on the biggest stage. And he kind of offers what they haven't got, which is toughness. And he does all the intangibles. Obviously you, you, you were in the league the same time as him. What were your thoughts on, on that acquisition for them?
1: I I think it's a, it's a good pickup. Um, When you look at their, their roster, I mean, that's a, they have a great roster. I mean, I look at all the teams. I'm like, man, I wouldn't want to be in the East right now <laughs> where you look at New York making moves. It's uh, still not done yet. There's plenty that could still be done. Teams, uh, you know, I feel like when one team makes a move now, two teams have made a move, maybe somebody else is going to make a big splash uh, as well. Um, it definitely makes things different, but uh, you know, as far as uh, O'Reilly, uh, he like that playoffs definitely going to be a big asset for, for Toronto and moving forward. And, you know, it's a tough, it's tough to get out of the East. It's tough to, I mean, it's tough to get out of the West too, but I feel like maybe somebody's probably going to say I'm on this, but just how I feel, I don't know the numbers, but I feel like it's been the East who's been making the biggest splashes over the last few years, uh, whether when it comes down to the uh, trade deadline and, and, Say going all in per se, but I feel like the East has always been tough, and, and these teams continue to keep uh, keep pushing. And you look at what they already had when you look at uh, Matthews and Marner and uh, Nylander as well yeah. up front. Like you're already now you're adding another player, and you've already seen in the game last night against excuse me against Buffalo. Kind of resurging uh, O'Reilly's career—not career, but year—he did wasn't had, maybe having the best year in St. Louis, and a lot of that can be team success too. But you know, getting him on a line with uh, Marner and Tavares seems to have worked so worked out so far so good for him.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing what playing with other amazing players can do for you. Um, so, last one—you obviously played a certain role during your your playing career, and there's obviously there's been a lot of conversation for a while now in terms of. You know, enforcers and tough guys in hockey, and we've kind of seen, not not replaced, but there's obviously a lot more skill and speed in the league now. But given your viewpoint in terms of being a, being up in the broadcast booth and, and watching a lot of games, what is your thought on that role in the modern day NHL? And, and do you think there's still obviously a, a big role for that to play, especially when we get to the playoffs?
1: You know, I, I think teams need it. I think they need to have some sort of uh, physical edge, toughness edge. Um, I don't know necessarily that it's uh, go back to the the old way, ways of having an enforcer, uh, if that's ever going to be the way. But, you know, having people that are, are willing, I think that's the the bigger, right? Like uh, whether it's a bad hit or player, you need a spark for your team. You know, they it can definitely raise the intensity of the game um i think it does help give some of your your skill guys a little bit more room i don't think we need to go back to where you're only playing a guy two minutes a night and he's going out just to fight somebody right i think that we're we've gone past that but i do still think that fighting and you know that that physicality that role um you know being a, a role player in that sense uh, it still has a place in the game and especially like you said it come time to playoff time and yeah there might not be as fights but the the physicality ramps up and you know having that presence or at least having somebody willing to step in um and whether it's drop the gloves you know lay a big hit uh you know whatever the case may be it's definitely a a still a needed role within uh, the nhl in my
0: eyes no that's a good place to to leave it thank you for for jumping on and and hopefully we can get you back on for for playoff time
1: thank you appreciate it